fantastic. Man, we're so pumped to have you guys with us here this morning and uh, looking forward to having a good time together. Uh, my name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of, man, I say that sincerely, of being the lead pastor, probably one of the oldest, longest pastors now in our community, um, and uh, so been here 21 years, dang, uh, anyway, um, makes me feel old, but uh, we're so thankful to have you be a part of what God is doing here in this community, we love Tupelo, uh, like I said, Belinda and I moved here 21 years, and she came kicking and screaming, and now, uh, Lord willing, she tells me, even if the church fires me, she's staying and getting married here, so anyway, uh, so y'all keep me, uh, but we're so glad that you guys are here today. And uh, we're excited about sharing with you. Um, and speaking of uh, all of those kind of things that, you know, happen in our life and transform mode, we have been praying. And we really do believe, and we have been praying and fasting, that this hour, for some of you, will be a life-changing moment that you will never, ever be the same when we get through with this hour because of the Word of God in Jesus Christ. We really do believe that. Our Connect Church family has been praying over this, and man, they're with me on this, and we believe it's going to be a life-changing moment. Speaking of life-changing moments, uh, a long time ago, uh, in 1982, uh, my wife, Belen, went on our very first date, and I asked her to go out with me. It was after a basketball game, and she was a cheerleader. I'm a basketball wanted to be star. Uh, anyway, and uh, we go to, uh, in 1982, this was a big deal. Here's where we went. Um, so in 1982, I know all of the teenagers, millennials, those that are 35 and on down, they're all going, how lame, dude, you take, you know, Miss Boleyn on our very first day. Now, here's what you don't understand about 1982. This was a big deal. Today's generation, this is when the guy takes you all to Olive Garden, okay? This was, uh, this was a higher class deal back to what you guys are thinking of today. Uh, man, I didn't, I so was enamored with this girl, and I was, Jason, I was like, you know, this could be, you never know, could be the one, you know, you never know. And so I'm like, we're not going to Waffle House. We're not going to McDonald's. Dang, I'm springing for Pizza Hut. <laughs> so, uh, so we did. It was a big deal. Pizza Hut was a classic back in the day. That's really not us. But anyway, uh, and so what I want you to know is you can't see in that picture, 1982, is back in the day, every table in a restaurant across the country had an ashtray. Because... Uh, <laughs> Everybody was smoking in those days. Now, I wasn't smoking, you know, uh, I was only 16, so I waited until I got outside. Now, anyway, I'm just kidding, so just kidding. But anyway, and so 1982, just part of the whole deal, and so there was a glass ashtray that was on the Pizza Hut table, and I go to put the pan of pizza on there because I'm so suave, and I uh, hit the glass ashtray, and it goes flying off in the floor, lands, shatters, smashes into pizzas, and you know what Belinda did, Kimberly? She bust out laughing. She was like, I mean, she literally almost fell off of her chair laughing. And then she said those magic words, this is my man. Uh, and anyway, and so she was hooked. I made her laugh. And so she's like, I'm going to marry this guy. And she did. Uh, but anyway, so uh, all that smooth stuff that you keep trying, where's Donut at? Uh, and don't worry. All right, so you just got to be yourself. So anyway, here we are uh, all these years later. And speaking of that, take the pizza hut that picture down. It makes me hungry. All right, so uh, speaking of that moment. Now, as much as I love her, we have had over these 30-some-odd years some real difference of opinions on a few things. And uh, we've had discussions. Y'all ever have the discussions? Yeah. All right, anyway, uh, and so we've had those moments. One of our biggest things that are totally different about us is my wife loves to talk to well, she loves to talk, but to telemarketers, and she loves to receive phone calls and from the telemarketers and selling her all this stuff. I hate that. I'm like, listen, you know, and, and I say ugly stuff like, you know, all the jobs in America, and this is what, you know, anyway, so it, it gets sort of ugly, and I'm not very Jesus preacher-esque, but anyway, but Belen just, she thrives on it. So she'll sit and tell them, you know, yeah, we have a 1972 Ford Pinto, you know, and it keeps, you know, blowing up when people hit the rear end, you have to be old. Uh, anyway, and so she said, uh, uh, she tells, them, you know, she goes into all these stories, and she loves to talk about it, and she gets them all the way down there, and then finally, she says, you more, she says, you person, uh, that uh, you realize you just called a law office, and they, you know, click, and they call her a few names and all those things, and she just calls me, oh, guess what, I had this conversation. I go, Why? 
of all the stuff that's going on in our life and our ministry, why do you take these calls? And I want to talk to you this morning about a very important call that all of us need to take. Matter of fact, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and that is the title of my message this morning. You need to take this call. And I want to tell you this morning that the Bible tells us that God is calling every one of us. God has chosen to call you. Now, here's the thing this morning. Some of you, let's be honest, have heard and felt God call you before, and the truth is, you hung up on him. You're not even sure why you're here this morning, except you want to go eat. But you've hung up on God, and then some of you know that he's been calling you for a while, but then all of a sudden you haven't felt that call in a long time, and you're not even sure that he still is interested in you because you've been repeatedly hanging up on God. I want to talk to both groups this morning and, and here's what I want you to unequivocally get down in your life and in your theology this morning. You need to know that this book says that God has predestined to call you. Now, look at me this morning. I'm talking about you and you and you. God has predestined to call every one of you and to have a personal relationship with him. Now, note this. What we believe that this book says is that God is not going to force himself for you to take the call. He's going to give you a free will choice whether or not you receive the call. You can't get to heaven. You can't get to Jesus. God initiates everything. He's the one that calls us. We don't do it by our good works. We don't call him. He calls us first. And then the question is, are you going to take the call? And that is what Romans 8.28 is going to talk to us about this morning. How do we really take this call? Have we received this call? Now, I believe there's, there's two extreme positions that are represented in this room this morning. And one of you, uh, on the one end, is a whole group of you guys that, probably a smaller group, but you have really been running from God for so long you are so tired of the mess that this world is in. Your life is in right now, at this point in your life. It didn't turn out like you thought. And so you're ready to receive God's call. <laughs> you remind me of, uh, did you hear about Jerry and Myra? Jerry was a good old Mississippi redneck. And Jerry, he, he was sort of like preacher. He wasn't real suave. And Jerry wanted to marry Myra. But he couldn't work up the courage to walk up to her and go, Myra, would you marry me? So he called her. Yeah, ladies. He called her on his phone. And he said, Myra, darling, would you marry me? And Myra, well, we're going to talk about her. She was really desperate. And uh, she said, sure. I'll marry you, but first of all, you got to tell me who you are. <laughs> and so uh, some of you are uh, ladies that are single here this morning. Don't be Myra. All right, I know some of you are desperate to get married, and some of you are like, I don't care who they are. They call me. I'm going, yes, right then, right there. Uh, don't be uh, Myra. Uh, don't be Myra. And matter of fact, some of the other ladies in the room this morning, they would testify, take your time, think through this, because, boy, you can get yourself in trouble uh, when you jump the gun on this thing. So any witnesses, ladies? All right, anyway, because, man, you can suffer for you. Anyway, uh, so be careful as you make that, you know, decision. But anyway, some of you are like Jerry and Myra. You're, you're there, and you're just ready, gun-ho, to, to jump into Jesus. But I think the majority that's probably in this room today, those of you that are watching online, you're at the other end of the spectrum. And you're like, man, my life has been so screwed up. I've rejected Jesus for so long. And you know, I'm not even for sure that I believe in all this God stuff. And you're just really questioning whether it works. And I think that the problem is, for you that are skeptics here this morning, of answering God's call, 
is unfortunately, far too many of us have answered the call to church and to religion and to mama's traditions and the way I was raised rather than a genuine call from Jesus. And it hasn't worked. And you've been burnt, maybe even hurt or frustrated at best. And so you're really skeptical of all this crap. You know, it's like, man, I'm not into it. We're going to help you identify in Romans 8, 28 a better way. Jesus is calling. And Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. And it has nothing to do with you, our church, our religion. Can I, let me illustrate to you, for those of you that are still skeptical and critical, I think it sort of fits best about uh, my, my son, uh, one of my sons. So um, when we moved here, uh, about the, if you've been here a few years, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies used to be in Vancouver. And I don't even know where that's at. But anyway, and so uh, they moved down here, hence the Grizzly thing. And so they moved to Memphis. And when they moved in, I'm a big NBA basketball guy. And so, uh, so I carry my boys, and we go to watch. We carry our church youth group to Memphis. We watch the uh, They started out in the old original pyramid. But when they moved into the FedEx Forum, uh, I, got, I got a package in the mail, and it just said, listen, because you took your group to, you know, the FedEx form and stuff when they first moved here, uh, we're going to VIP you, and we're going to give you two tickets, and we're going to allow you to come up to Memphis and move, as we're moving to the new FedEx forum, we're going to allow you to go behind the scenes, we're going to let you have a personal tour, we're going to feed you supper, you're going to meet with the team, blah, 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 and all this stuff, and so they sent me these two tickets, well, naturally, you know, I'm like, who am I going to take with me, uh, Belen's, you know, busy with all that stuff, and so she said, why don't you take one of the boys? Well, we got three boys all living in the house. They're all like 12 and under. And so we do a lottery. You know, I know it's not Baptist, but anyway. And so, uh, uh, so I don't even think about that in the message. But anyway, so we do a, uh, we do, <laughs> and so we do a lottery. And uh, our oldest son wins. Now, Andrew, who saw on the screen, he's still mad about it, asking him about it. So he says that Aaron finagled his way. And the truth is he probably did. Aaron cheated or something. Anyway, but Aaron won. Andrew's still mad about it. Uh, and so I take Aaron, our oldest boy, uh, to, to, to Memphis and we are in the FedEx forum. We walk in. Now, here's how cool it was. I show him the two tickets, and the usher, the security, goes, oh, Mr. Pierce, we've been waiting on you. I was like, cool, uh, and they know my name. And so they usher us, and they take us where the general seat, they take us around, they go to the practice facility, uh, FedEx Forum, and they've got all the GMs there, the cheerleaders are there, they got a big spread of food, Aaron's hanging out with the cheerleaders, the, uh, the, the, uh, the I'm not, uh, anyway, and, uh, he's, and, he's, uh, and so Jerry West was the general manager of the Memphis Grizzlies in those days, and Jerry West, I know we're Mississippi and you guys aren't big bad, basketball fans, but Jerry West is the logo that is on every basketball. He is Mr. Hall of Fame, one of the original uh, heroes of the NBA, legendary. He's the dude, and, he, and I get to sit down and have a conversation with him, Ran. I'm literally like, just pinch me. You know, I can die right now. We sit down. He's from West Virginia. We got to talking about ball uh, I told him, you know, what I, who I was, and he said, yeah, I grew up, I knew a Free Will Baptist church was down in the holler there in West Virginia. We're talking church, Jesus, and basketball with Jerry West, Terry Pierce, like, come get me, Jesus, I'm ready to go. And then Aaron comes up to me, he's done hanging out with the cheerleaders, and, all, and so he comes up to me, and he's like, Dad, he goes, how cool a moment is this? We're in the FedEx Forum, and he goes, I can't wait to go back to Morville tomorrow and tell everybody I got to hang out with the cheerleaders. I got to hang out with the general managers. I got to meet Jerry West. I blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him. And again, I'm old, so you remember the Bill Cosby show? And I had a Bill Cosby moment. And I go, listen, boy. I said, you ain't done nothing. I said, they don't know who you are. Nobody invited you into this room. I said, you have no business being in here. I mean, I was just like bringing him down. And, and so I said, you have no authority to be in here. The only reason you are in this building and in this place with all this cool stuff is because of your daddy. Who's your daddy? And I told him, I said, uh, and I looked at him and I said, I got the ticket. Your daddy has a ticket. I'm the VIP. 
I invited you to come along with me. And he was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I get it. And I was just reminding him about his position. He had no business being there. And now here's what I want to say about all that. Is you realize this morning that having a relationship with Almighty God is none of the stuff that you have done to earn this. You have no business being in this room this morning. I have no business being on this stage. While we were just singing this last song, James, I was over there on my praying and just saying, God, I cannot believe that I have an opportunity to represent you today because I'm telling you, I ain't no business being here this morning, but I get to be here today. You get to be here today because Jesus has the authority. He has the ticket, and he called us to join him. Wow, that's a game changer, and we've done it all backwards. We said, look at me. I'm a member of such and such Baptist, Methodist, or Connect Church, and I'm telling you, you and I are worthless. We have no business being here. Jesus has the ticket, and he's called you, and he's called me to come with him into his presence. So that is a calling that we want to help you unpack this morning. You need to let go of your past. You need to get over your criticism and your skepticism, and you need to know it's Jesus is making the call here this morning. Now, the only question left, the only question left for us to discuss today is are you going to take the call? Would you stand with me this morning as we read one verse, one verse out of God's holy word? Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those, this is the call, guys, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are, and I want us to say it together, the text of this sermon, one, two, three, according to his purpose. You may be seated. Now, I'm not sure when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, that he would understand how much it would impact our lives today. Every one of you in this room has got your phone. Some of you are taking notes on it. Some of you are on the internet and you're not paying attention to me. Yeah, I see you. Uh, so is Jesus. Anyway, and so we, we, we know we have our, and, uh, and we have our smartphones, and we get a lot of calls on those phones. <laughs> I was in, uh, I don't remember exactly where I was at. I was in an elevator, in a meeting, or, or, or in an office or something. And this lady, a little bit older than me, she was frustrated. Y'all ever been frustrated with your smartphones? And she got really ticked off. And uh, she started just cussing up a storm. And she goes, you stupid. And she was, you know, she said, I don't have a smartphone. And it was just me and her. And, and so she just started cussing. She said, I don't have a smartphone. I got a dumb A phone, you know, and she was using language. Anyway, and she just goes on and on. And she's going, you know, this dumb phone and, and all this stuff. And, and, she, and she just looks at me and she goes, uh, do you have a dumb, you know, phone? And, uh, and I was just bust out laughing. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I said, I get it and all that. And then, uh, and then I was just waiting for her to ask me what I did for a living. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I just was like, you know, and you know where she would do the whole Southern thing. Oh, bless your heart. You know, uh, anyway. And so, <laughs> so who feels like the, anyway, uh, and so, but, uh, so <laughs> we went through that whole conversation and, and a lot of times, you know, we, we get frustrated with our phones, and, and we get all these kind of different calls. I want to talk to you this morning that in this text, what Paul is saying to us, and, and this is so cool. Let me set it up for you real quickly. In the, in the, uh, the context of Romans 8.28, uh, we misstate it so often, and it's been taught wrong so often in the church. And so we're going to clarify that a little bit this morning. But here's the, the context. In verses 26 and 27, what's preceding this great truth is that Paul is making the case to the church at Rome. He's saying, you understand that with all of the chaos, and he's just defined it in Romans 7, he said, and all the sin and the depravity, and, and he's talking about how he feels guilty and, and how he messes up his own life and he makes mistakes and he does so many things that are wrong and he can't figure it out. And he says that when you get to that place in your life, now let me talk to my church for just a second. He said, when you get to that place in your life, when it's all screwed up, you feel guilty, you've made bad choices, and you don't even, have you ever been in that place where you don't know how to pray? Anybody? You've been in that place, you've been so low, 
You've drifted away. You've, you've not done the things you should, and you don't even know, and you feel guilty to even pray. Here's what he says. He says the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and he's calling you, and he's praying for you. And when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit calls and prays for you. How cool is that? That's way better than a smartphone. That is so cool that we inside of us have the Holy Spirit working and he's helping us answer that call. And so in this very service this morning, make no mistake, you're not here by accident. You're not here because maybe just somebody invited you. We believe that the Holy Spirit is in this room today. Are you with me this morning? The Holy Spirit is the one that is doing the call. Not connect church, not religion. I don't care how your mama did it. I'm telling you today, the Holy Spirit is interceding and calling you to Jesus. And so now, with that theological platform, here's what Dr. Douglas Moo says about Romans 8, 28. Our inability to pray is precisely as we would like. Write this down. It's no hindrance to the working out of God's perfect will in our lives. The promise of Romans 8.28 is often misquoted and misunderstood. What Paul is saying here, and he's saying that God has created you for a purpose in this universe. And God is carrying out his redemptive plan. And so those who answer the call, Realize that all the junk, all the failures, all of that stuff, Jesus has the ability to overcome, and he's calling us to be his disciples. In other words, here's the theological platform that we stand on. God knows everything about every family on earth, and God's plan for us began in a decision to enter into that relationship with us. Oh, this is important. What the message of Romans 8.28 is, is that not everything good, everything that happens in your life is good. When you get diagnosed with cancer, that is not good. When there's a shooting in our community, that is not good. When your spouse announces that they've had an affair and are leaving you, it is not good. When Aberdeen beats you down, uh, immortal, uh, that's not good. Uh, the truth of the matter is, listen, look at me. The false lie that sometimes we said in the church is, oh, this is all just going to work out good. No. You see, when this bad stuff happens, Jesus is calling us to him, and he's saying, it's not my fault, but I can help you, and I can redeem you. Now, hear me this morning. We've been running from our problems. We've become addicted to drugs. We drink ourselves into a stupor because we can't face the pain and the misery of our life. We play video games to ignore our family and relationships because we just don't get it. We do all of these behaviors and all of this stuff that undermines our parenting, our marriage, our future, uh, who we're going to date. We listen to all of this ideal stuff out there, and we keep trying every form of itself to try to satisfy these desires because we're thinking, man, I don't know why God allows all this bad stuff to happen in my life. Now get it down this morning. Romans 8.28 is not saying all this bad stuff is good. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is, is you're blaming the wrong person. You see, Adam cursed us into sin. All of us are depraved. All of us are cursed by sin. Here's the thing. None of this is good. It is all terrible. But what Jesus does is he takes the broken, he takes the wounded, he takes the injured, and he redeems it, and he makes it good. And that's a big difference. Bad stuff happens. Your spouse dies. Bad stuff happens. Your parents die. Jesus says, let me come alongside you and walk with you through the pain and redeem what is broken 
in your life. And that's a big theological place that we land on. Again, look with me in the text. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for God to those who are called to his purpose. What God is saying to you and I this morning is he's wanting to understand that, listen, God has got a plan and he's called us into a relationship with him. And this is powerful because what we've got to do is we've got to learn to run to Jesus. And I don't think we believe in his power like we should. Um, let me illustrate it to you this way, his redemptive power. Do you... Um, Yesterday, Alabama, we'll, we'll use a football illustration here. Yesterday, we got, uh, you know, I know, Roll Tide fans, you guys haven't, okay, all right, there we go. Uh, I know, Roll Tide. All right, so uh, yesterday, Alabama, the mighty Titan Alabama team, they played, are you, of cupcakes of cupcakes, they played Louisiana Monroe Brandon yesterday. I dare any of you all to find that university on a map. Nobody's ever heard of Louisiana Monroe. Their nickname, Stanley, is called the Warhawks. Anybody know what a Warhawk is? Never heard of that one? That's their mascot. Uh, now, you Ole Miss Landshark fans, don't make fun of somebody else's name. Anyway, and so, so we, uh, so we, so, so, so they have the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks come to Tuscaloosa against mighty Alabama, and they're going to play a football game. Now, I want you to imagine, you know how that went. What was it, Brandon, 63 to nothing, uh, something like that. So, yeah, uh, you guys let them score. They had the fifth string in. Brandon played yesterday for them. I mean, they, uh, I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't anybody. And so, that, you know, it's just, it was just such a cupcake game. Now, this would have been classic. Could you imagine if all of a sudden in the locker room, the Kansas City Chiefs showed up in the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks uniforms. And they said, here's the deal. What we're going to do today is the NCAA commissioner, president, whatever, he has decided, and it's all legal, that what we're going to do is we're going to let the Kansas City Chiefs play the Crimson Tide. And so all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes comes out onto the field. 300-pound linemen across the board come out into that field. Y'all know what happens next. Nick Satan, Saban, Saban. <laughs> that, that was so unintentional. Anyway, and so, so Nick Saban... <laughs> Runs out. You know what he's doing. Oh, no, Mr. Ref. Oh, no, Mr. I mean, he is coming apart on national television. He's got the ref by the jersey, and he's going, we ain't playing the, we, we got cupcake. We, we, we got Warhawks. We ain't playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And the referee says, calm down, Mr. Saban. <laughs> Not a chance. All right, and anyway, and so, so, uh, but you keep rolling. Uh, and so. And so, so, so all of a sudden, Nick Saban's coming unglued. He's screaming at the referees. We have an interactive church. And, uh, and the referee looks at him and calms him down, and he says, Mr. Nick, you need to understand, this has come down from a higher authority than even you. He goes, there is not. But yeah, anyway, and so, he goes, this, this is coming down from a higher authority than you, the NCAA president has said, and based upon his authority, that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be substitute players for the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks today. And that's the team that you're going to play. And no matter what Brandon and Tide fans think, they're going to smash. They're getting humiliated. They're getting crushed by that professional team. Now, here's the thing you need to understand this morning, in all seriousness. You and I cannot win this battle against the devil. Your problems do not come from God. All this bad stuff that's been happening to your in your life, it comes from the enemy, and, and your enemy is not the church, it's not me, it's not your family. Your enemy is Satan. He wants you to go to hell with him. He wants to bring you hell on this earth, and he wants to take you to an eternity in hell because that's the only hope he's got. you got to decide today and answer the call that I'm going to let Jesus step in and fight for me. And Jesus 
has the authority because God the Father said, I created you and I'm going to redeem my people through you, Jesus Christ, his son. And he says to you and I today, my son Jesus is going to step in and fight the battles for you. Somebody say amen. You see, we can't lose when we let Jesus step in and fight the battles for us. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Romans 8.28 is about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's where we land. One last theological platform I want you guys to get down to. to number one, essentially this verse promises that nothing will touch our lives that is not under the control and the direction of our lovingly, loving, heavenly Father. And this is big. In other words, Satan is attacking your life. He's trying to unleash all hell and everything that we do in the chaos of our lives. We get addicted to pornography, to numb our pain, our habits, our desires. And all the while, he's saying, why do you keep turning this other stuff? Let me fight for you. The call of God is Jesus is to be our purpose. As I was praying through and finished the message, uh, I was listening to a podcast on Friday. I write a manuscript sermon out every week, and, and um, I finished it, got it to the media team, Tanner. And um, Friday, the Holy Spirit just said, man, I want you to add this piece to it. And so he's the boss. And so I was listening to a podcast that really, I think, hits this point. You know, and this guy used three words. I don't have them on the screen. They're not in the notes, but I just want to give them to you today. I think we've made an error in three different ways when it comes to understanding Jesus fighting this battle for us, the call to fight for us. It's the first word is castigate. And what the author was talking about in that word is he was arguing and contending on the podcast that the church, the traditional church, for years, and this is how I preached, and I'm sorry, this is how we did church for a long time here in America, is what we did is we circled the wagons, and we did this here, in the Tupelo Free Will days, is we said, you know what, we're better than you. And let's circle the wagons, because you know what, we, don't, we, we dress up at our church. Preacher wears a suit and tie, he ain't wearing no t-shirt at our church, because we're better than you. And what we did is we castigated everybody else that didn't do church and stuff like us. And so we talked about how sinful you all were in the world. How that we don't do those kind of things. And yet our children and our families grew up with the same hell in our homes. We just put on a really good front on Sunday and put on a good show. But our kids were doing the exact same things that the people we were castigating. Yeah, I knew it would get quiet. Because we thought... If we send our little kids and we huddle them and they never hear bad stuff, then they'll never grow up and be bad. And that is a big lie. If you think you can insulate and protect your kids from bad stuff, you are fooling yourself and it's only out of your own insecurities that you have not allowed them to be exposed to the reality of what's going on in life. The second word the other extreme, now that's a handful, most of us do the other thing in the church, is we capitulate. And that means is we've decided that when issues come up like gender and, and identity and how are we going to handle all of this and all of the, you know, the Gen Z's are here this morning and they're struggling, you know, where do I find my gender role at? Capitulation says, you know what? Our church, what we're going to do is we're just going to adapt to the culture and no matter what the moral standard is, no matter what God's word says, we don't care. We're just going to do it the way that the world does it because we don't want our kids to be offended and so we capitulate and let the world drive the church and we wonder why we've lost our values and our morals and neither one are letting Jesus fight the battles 
for us. Let me give you a third word. That's a biblical word. It's called cultivate. What Jesus is saying to you and I today is I want to cultivate a relationship with you so that when your kid comes to you at 13 and says, I don't know if I'm a girl or boy, how do you handle that? You don't castigate him and go, oh no, I can't believe my church kid has that question. Or we don't say, well you just do whatever you feel like. What we tell them is you cultivate and say to them, listen, according to God's word, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God Almighty. And I want you to know, you don't have to worry about becoming something that what anybody else says. You become who Jesus made you to be. Amen. Cultivate and have the hard conversations and tell them their identity is in Jesus and a God who's called them to be fearfully and wonderfully made as they are. How cool is that? See the difference? And so this morning, we're seeing that God is calling us into this relationship. And again, I want to put this verse back up on the screen. And we know for those who love God, work together for, all, for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Paul doesn't say we hope or we wish. Notice what he says, we know. I love that. Are you ready for some faith that says, I know in whom I have believed in? I love that. Here's what I want you to write down. We have a promise founded upon the character of our creator. God has created you for this purpose. Accept the call. Here's how he wants you to live. Every day of my life, our church is so tired of hearing this. You come back next Sunday, you're going to hear it again. But the, this is how I begin my prayer time every day because of this truth. I know in whom I believed in. Every morning I pray Ephesians 6 into my life. I've been justified by the blood of the Lamb. I put on his righteousness, not mine. Not anything that I've ever done. But Jesus died on Calvary's cross. You can't take that away from me. You can't sell that away, Ernie. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. But Jesus has done it all. And no matter what you all think about me, no matter what stupid stuff I do, Jesus has declared me justified and holy before the Holy Father. And I'm telling you this morning, every day I begin my prayer with, I am covered in His righteousness. And because of that, I get to sit today. And, we, and I bring up four chairs a lot of times, and I'll say, the Father. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then they have called me and invited me into the fellowship. How in the world, as a believer, can we have a bad day? I get to hang out with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even when I get lost, even when I screw up, the three of them come along and say, welcome back in. That is where he wants you and I to live. So that's your calling. So what does it look like in your life and mine? Get your notes out real quickly. I got like two minutes. We're going to fly through this. And I want to share with you today. Rick Warren uh, has identified these. And I want to borrow, that means steal, uh, his ideas about how we answer the call of God in our life. Number one, you need to know that my calling is a gift from God. My calling is a gift from God. I don't deserve it. I don't bargain for it. It's all by grace. Do y'all know the definition of grace? Grace is understood kindness. It's when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. I love that. I deserve hell. I deserve his punishment. But God gives me grace. And he invites me into this place today, the grace of God. And so no matter how many times I screwed up, no matter how many times I thumb my nose at God, grace says, it's my gift. I'm still calling you. Number two is I'm called for God's purpose. I'm not called um, for my plan in life. Now, real quickly, uh, look at me. The reason some of you all are frustrated in your trying to find joy in life is because you think life is about you. And you keep making decisions that you want. Notice what the verse says. You're never going to find joy and happiness when you keep making decisions for you. God has called you for his purpose. 
That's, that's huge. And so we've got to quit being selfish. God's called us for his purpose, and maybe you would understand all the frustrations in your life if you would see that God is working to make you like him. Number three, my sin and my mistakes do, don't change my call. Now, this is one of my favorite points about the whole message. My sins and my mistakes do not change my call. In other words, no matter how many times I've goofed it up, no matter how many times I've messed up, it doesn't change the fact that he still loves me. And that's so different than the way we've been taught with religion and, 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 and church stuff and traditions. Now, let me illustrate to you real quickly. Um, my wife and I had the wonderful privilege of, of getting the church. I love Connect Church. Man, you guys are so cool. They gave us, the deacons in the church voted last year because we had a lot of stuff going on, health issues in, in the church and COVID and all that stuff, is we didn't get to go. But they gave us a free trip, and we got to go to Aruba, and we just couldn't do it because there was a lot of stuff going on here. And so we finally got to go last week. And so Belinda and I were on a little tiny island, Aruba, and uh, it was awesome, and so we're just having the time of our life, you know, and I'm jet skiing and doing all the cool stuff, because I'm so cool. Anyway, and so uh, we get this little car on the island, and it's supposed to be like a smart car, and it was stupid. <laughs> Thing was so small. I don't mean to offend those of you that have them, God bless you guys, but they ain't made for 6-1 people, and I'm just telling you, fat. And so anyway, and so Blynn would have to help me get out of it. Wasn't nothing smart about that car. And uh, we're driving around this tiny island, two-door car, whatever, and uh, all of a sudden, we're driving one evening, it's, you know, getting dust, sun's going down, all that stuff, beautiful, uh, you see the ocean everywhere, it's a tiny island, only eight miles wide, and uh, anyway, so we're driving through there, and all of a sudden, Kevin, uh, all these people just started waving at me, you know, they're, man, they're just, you know, like, hey, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, they, they know I'm here. Anyway, and, you know, so I'm waving back, and, you know, and we go by a second car, and they're just waving, you know, both arms are going, and I go, man, these are Rubens, they're, they're friendly folks, they could live in Mississippi, you know, and so they're just waving, we go by a third car, and he starts flashing his lights at me, and I go, dude, they must know that, you know, I'm a famous preacher, uh, anyway, and so, so, you know, and so they're, uh, so, you know, I flashed my lights, you know, I mean, I tried to flash lights, I didn't know where they were at, so I just, you know, kept on driving, just, I just kept waving, I just kept waving, Finally, we get a fourth car that does that, and they're flashing lights all over the place at us. And my wife says, can I share my thoughts here? And I'm, I wanted to say it so bad, but I didn't, is it's never hindered you before. <laughs> but we're in a room, and I'm trying to be nice. Anyway, and so uh, she just says, can I share it? Do, do you have your lights on? And I go, I don't know. So we're driving down the highway. All these cars are coming at us. And she said, I don't, I said, I don't know. I don't know where this is a smart car. It's supposed to know. And, and so uh, we're driving. I said, I don't know the lights. So we pull over. We do Mississippi thing. We pull over to the side of the road. She gets out. Now picture this. Your first lady, Belinda, she gets out. She's standing in front of the car. All these cars are coming by us. She's standing there going, your lights are on. That's why they're, you know, uh, all of this is you're, you're driving around in the dark. And, and she's, you know, so I couldn't figure out where the lights were at on the stupid smart car. So I pushed the thingy, the uh, blinker thing, and the brights would come on. And so, <laughs> get the picture, I'm pushing the, the, the turn signal, and the brights would come on, and she'd go, they're on! And I let go, and they're off! They're on! They're on! So she's yelling at me, James, <laughs> on the side of the highway, on, on, on! You know, it's like a tennis match, back and forth. And I go, quit yelling at me! And she said, well, leave them on! And I go, I don't know how! We're in Aruba on a romantic vacation. <laughs> a stupid smart car. And so, believe it or not, you know what happens next? She gets back in the car with me. And I know you're thinking, why? And she gets back in the car with me, and she said, what is that button over there? Oh, I don't know. And I go, it's a light switch. <laughs> And I, very technical, Tim, I clicked it on. And she stayed in the car with me. Now, I know all you women are going to go up to her. Why would you do that? And my answer to you is one reason, which you all cannot understand, but that woman loves me. That woman adores me. And no matter how stupid I am, she thinks that I'm it because she loves me. 
Now you listen to me this morning. Jesus feels the same way about you. No matter how many times you screw up, no matter how many times you disappoint him, no matter how many times you let him down, he stays with you. And he's calling you this morning. And he's inviting you. And not only that, but he wants to go with you. He wants to get in the vehicle of your life. And he wants to continue to ride with you. Somebody say amen. That is love. God doesn't quit on us because of our sins and our mistakes. Number four, my calling is connected to others. My calling is connected to have fellowship with other people. Just like God created the body with different parts, our parts don't work unless we do this together. Our friends in Missouri are meeting this morning because they need to be together. You're in this place. We have church. Jesus designed the church to come together because we need one another. And here's why we do small groups. Because as your church grows larger, we figured out we've got to grow smaller. So on Sunday nights here at Connect Church, we now have nearly 300 people that meet every Sunday night, and they just simply go over the sermon that day, look at God's Word, ask each other accountability questions, encourage one another, pray together, and then eat and love on one another. And here's the reason why you need to be in a small group at Connect Church. Because there's going to become a day, and it's coming before, and you're not even going to see it coming, where your whole life's going to be turned upside down, and you're going to need God's people to come alongside of you and love you. And, you're, and the preacher can't be there, and everybody, but you need God's people in the church to come alongside of you. Recently, just two weeks ago, that happened to one of our families. We've got so many young families in this church, and this family, their daughter, was had a really bad health condition that wound up at St. Jude. She was in the ICU just two weeks ago. Ben and Lucinda were at their wits end. They were, had the church prayer chain going. And do you know what happened next? I want to show you a picture. Their small group, their Sunday Night Connect group, put this basket together for their little daughter, Marley. Now, I'm not going to show her picture on the screen because of, you know, she's younger and, and, and all that and don't want to embarrass her. But she was in the first service here this morning. She's doing great. But you, they sent me a personal picture of her in that ICU bedroom at, at, um, at St. Jude, still hooked up to IVs, when this basket was put on her bed, and she saw that. Her face lit up. She had hope, and she was like, man, I can't even believe these people I don't even know. They love me, and they cared enough to collect these stuff to just let me know it's going to be okay. And you don't, can't imagine what that did for mom and dad as well. You're coming to a place where you're going to need other people in your life, and this is just what we do at Connect Church is we love on one another. You need the body to love on you and take care of you. Be a part of a small group. And then finally and fifthly this morning, you answer to God's call because the choice is up to you. He doesn't force himself upon us. <clears throat> As we close this out this morning, this is my simple invitation to you. is God is calling you. And I want you to look at a picture this morning of what happened last November in my life. This is not good. They have a uh, show the picture. And um, there's nothing good about this. Last November, I was in a car wreck um, just down the road from my house. And uh, truck hit me, carried me about 20 yards down, and then dumped me off in this ditch. Now, I want, I want to get beyond that. And I want you to go to the grassy scene. Go ahead and pull up the grassy scene. So um, I know Jimmy, Sheriff J Johnson, has seen it many times, all too many. <sighs> But man, that, that messed with me. And um, I struggled for a long time to even get behind the wheel. It's my first wreck, uh, that magnitude or anything like that. And, um, and just the emotions. But Holy Spirit just said, and this is just literally last week. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to go back to the scene of the wreck. And I'm like, heck no. And it's just right by my house. And Jimmy, I walked back to the scene of the wreck for the first time since last year. 
And where you couldn't see on that first picture, but notice I'm not dwelling on that, that picture. Because in that picture, there's a hole dug where my car went down that embankment and dug out. My neighbor came by, and neighbors came by. They couldn't even recognize that it was my car, and I lived right there and because it was just, everything was tore up, and they're pulling me out. And they dug a hole into the dirt. And when I walked on that little place right there off the side of the road, there's still pieces of my Chevy Impala that's there. And I'm not going to lie, it was emotional. And um, it brought up a lot of thoughts. But then I looked down, Miss Sharon, and see that little piece of stretch of green grass right there that's headed before you get to the big tall grass? That's where my car dug that hole and went down into the embankment and nearly turned over. But, but what has now happened, and God was speaking to me on the side of the road, and here's what he said, Michael, is he said, I want you to see that hole has now been recovered. And not only has the hole been recovered, but the grass is growing over that hole, and it's greener than all the other grass around it. And what the Holy Spirit said, that's how I want you to close out Tailgate Sunday, is I want you to tell everybody what I did in your life is what I want to do in their life. And this is what God is so special. This is what he's calling you and I today to receive from him. Is he saying, I know the tragedies that have happened in your life. I know of all the bad moments that you're going through right now in your life. But if you will allow me, I can fix them. I can restore them. I can put them back together. And if you'll hang on and answer the call to me, I will make them better than you were before. And so the question is this morning, the question is, are you going to answer God's calling? in your life. Shall we stand? Dear Heavenly Father, you're calling us to your purpose and to your plans. And today, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and for whatever reason, you've never heard about him, you didn't grow up in church, that's so cool, we want you to know today that this is a safe place. Would you just come as the Holy Spirit calls you to a better way of living, to a better quality of life, not only here, but for the rest of eternity. We're going to invite you to an old-fashioned altar, and our counselors will come. They're going to pray over you and lead you how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And one last invitation. If you're part of our church family, or maybe some other church family you're visiting today, whatever, we don't care. But God is calling you back to Him. It is time for you to let go. Quit blaming God. Blame the devil and say, Jesus, I'm going to let you begin to fight for me. Sorry for leaving you out of the battle. As we sing, would you answer God's call? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.